Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am J.P. Mosier. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. A doozy. This is, of course... Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> no, never on this. No, never. Bad. How dare you even think we would do such a thing to you, our dear listener? Today we've got one of my favorite pieces of production of all time. Forget that it's a great song. This song is one of my all-time most favorite produced songs. This is "Living on the Edge" by Aerosmith. Take a listen. Something wrong with the world today I don't know what it is Something's wrong with our eyes We're seeing things in a different way And God knows it ain't His It sure ain't no surprise So much rock and roll in such a little space. This song grabs me. I don't know about you. This song grabs me from the very first note. Absolutely. It's that kick drum at the beginning. The riff is solid. Um, Sidebar, I feel like Joe Perry is a much better riff guy than a lead guy. Okay, yeah. I I, I, I was actually going to talk about that later. Okay, we'll talk about that later. No, that's good. Um, But this, this song has a great lyric... Uh, a great melody feel amazing feel just incredible in so many ways uh and i I just i just can't wait to talk about it this is a song that i can't believe it actually took us this long to do when i when i thought why have we not done this song um so uh tell us a little bit about just the recording of this song the, the the release information sure this is uh came out in 1993 it was the first single from their album get a grip um, from Aerosmith's album, Get a Grip. Great album cover. <laughs> it's got a big, big old cow's udders pierced yeah, it's, uh, uh, with an Aerosmith brand on the udders. Yeah. It's, it's uh, just such it's, a weird, it's great. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it reached number 18 on the Billboard. Now, that album is a great album. Solid. Um, hit after hit. It's got um, Crying, Crazy, Amazing. Um, do you have a favorite song other than maybe other than this one off the album or a favorite? I really like Amazing. I do too. I yeah. love that song. Feels so good. Mm-hmm. Um, we may even have to do a separate podcast for it sometime because I just I just love that song. I listened to it like last week and I thought 
Man, this song is just so good. Packed full of star vocalists on that. Don Henley sings on that. Oh, really? Lenny Kravitz is on this album. Yeah. Well, bonus info for you on the Great Song Podcast today. Yeah, amazing. Another great song. But they, I mean, they really had a career rejuvenation. Not a rejuvenation. I guess they were always popular. But but they really reached a a, a period of huge popularity again in the mid 90s off of this album yeah people in my youth group all had this album on the trip and i remember <laughs> like on youth trips and stuff i'd be like oh man that that album looks so i don't know but it was it was huge man it was yeah. a, it, was it was a big, big one i mean i i had it in i guess it was middle school uh early high school just chocked full of good stuff eat the rich it mean that's the first song off this album right eat the rich yeah after the intro it's such rich. a funny song like i don't know it's like a it's one of those uh uh you know just satire uh, whatever, but it's such a such a funny song. Um, My favorite actual song that you've never heard off this <laughs> off this album. I love "Gotta Love It." It's got a I don't even know if you know that it's between it's sandwiched between crying and crazy. Okay, so it's the one that most people would skip on their to CD because it's between crying and crazy. But I love it. It's got this reverb drum at the beginning and a great riff. Play a little of it. Let's play a little of it. Let's okay. Play. Yeah, to be honest, totally forgot about that one. I've listened to this song. I listened to this album a lot in like middle school, but at that time I was probably mostly going for the hits. Um, and then since then, I've usually listened to it on a compilation album that they put out later called Big Ones, uh, which is the most Aerosmith <laughs> album title I can possibly think of. Yeah, and I the, think the thing that I like about this song, that I like about this whole album, is how well it's produced. You can hear every instrument. Like a lot of times they, when stuff's produced, it's just all kind of blends together and it's one, one hodgepodge. But yep. on this, you can hear the drums, you can hear the bass riff, you can hear the guitar riff, you can hear the guitar chord underneath. You could, it's every part you can make out. So I think it's, it's well mixed and mastered and produced. And this was the third Aerosmith album uh, produced by Bruce Fairbain. Um, he also produced Permanent Vacation and Pump. Um, and also was a producer of one of my favorite Van Halen records, Balance, in uh, like 1995, I think it was after this, maybe 96. Um, so uh, maybe it's maybe we just dig his production style. Maybe. Yeah, this was actually, in terms of the album, it was the best-selling Aerosmith worldwide, but it's tied for second in the U.S. with Pump because Toys in the Attic is the number one in the U.S., but worldwide, this one is the best worldwide. Okay. What were the hits off Toys in the Attic? Do you yeah, know? I, we should probably look it up. Let's, Let's look it up. So, Toys in the Attic is uh, a 1975 release, and that had uh, Sweet Emotion and Walk This Way. Those were the two big hits. Not with Run DMC. Not with Run DMC, although that's a great, that's the first rock, uh, hip-hop, mashup collab that I know of. Do you know of anything? I can't think of one that would be. That predates, that's like the precursor to your Rage Against the Machine uh, you know that kind of that kind of mashup style. Uh, I always thought that was very cool. I thought it was very forward thinking. Of I don't know whose idea that was. Maybe we can get to that on a later podcast. Um, but uh, I ha- okay. I have a theory about Aerosmith. And I want to throw it at you. I'm just going to throw it at you, and let's just let's just see what you think about this. Okay. I think 
Aerosmith are the hard rock Beatles. Okay, explain. I, I think if if um if Paul and John and company had stayed a band for thirty more years, that they could have eventually turned into Aerosmith. Okay. That if and if maybe they had done um Maybe if they had done cocaine instead of LSD. <laughs> they chose the wrong drug. They, yeah, maybe they got into the wrong drug. But no, I feel like there's so much um, sort of DNA crossover between these two bands. The way, they, the way they write, the kind of songs they do, the way they, you know, their, their chord progressions. I just feel like Aerosmith is the, is the hard rock version of the Beatles. I'm going to completely go against what you say because I think Aerosmith reminds me so much of the other, the Rolling Stones. Really? Because I think Mick Jagger and Steven Tyler look alike. I think they're similar <laughs> the way they look. I think their vocal stylings are similar yeah. in some regards. So not only am I going to go against <laughs> what you're saying, I, I'm going to go the opposite direction and say they're their rivals. Well... Why don't you guys tell us what you think? How yeah, give about us that? your is, is Aerosmith more Beatles or more Stones? More Beatles or Stones? Follow us out there on at Great Song Pod on Twitter, or uh, leave some comments in in uh, in the description in the um, you know the comment section thing of the podcast thing. We do podcast. You make comment. Tell us Beatles, Stones, Aerosmith. Okay, um, uh, that's so funny. Uh, but I can see it though. I can see it with Steven Tyler and uh, Keith Richards and, is Joe Perry. I mean, maybe so. I, maybe so. I just feel like their songs are more like Beatles songs than than Stone songs. Um, but hey, when in Rome, exactly. When in Rome. Uh, okay, so this uh, this won the Grammy Award for best rock performance by a duo duo or group um, in, and they performed the song at the nineteen ninety four. Uh, Grammy Awards ceremony. Um, uh, what was it? Did you already say the chart information? Uh, just that it reached eighteen on the Billboard. Eighteen, That's okay. Eighteen. Uh, this this song is is. I mean, it's pretty obviously about you know just kind of we live in a crazy world. Ah, isn't it crazy? Um, you know, but I feel like it's done so well lyrically from the opening verse. Uh, you know, about we're seeing things in a different way, and God knows it ain't His. I feel like that's such a good line. Um, I think they actually co-wrote this song, uh, Perry, Tyler, and they co-wrote this song with a guy named Mark Hudson, um, who was a teen idol in the 70s, apparently. I, I don't recall him from anything, but he was on the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show, <laughs> um, and they had some hit songs with songs they wrote called, uh, one including uh, So You Are a Star, which apparently was their biggest hit. I have no clue on any of that, but apparently... Mark Hudson from the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show. I did not do any Mark Hudson research. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, but uh, apparently he, he co-wrote the song uh, with Steven Tyler and uh, Joe Perry, um, trying to keep things fresh on you know later releases, that kind of thing. What is your favorite line in the song? You got a favorite one? It's either uh, seeing things in a different way or God, and, and God knows it ain't his, uh, or... Uh, if you can judge a wise man by the color of his skin, then, mister, you're a better man than I. How about you? I like the chicken little line. I'm a, yeah? A chicken little. It feels good. It. It's, a, it's, it's a good. It flows well in any yeah. chicken little reference. Do you know any of the other chicken little characters? 
No, wait. Chicken Little, there's Kenny like a, Penny, oh, Lucky yeah, yeah, Ducky, okay. or Ducky Lucky. I was like, they all rhyme, but I Foxy can't remember. Foxy Loxy, I oh think. My gosh. I don't know. Um, I was trying to remember all those when I was coming up. <laughs> all the Chicken Little. I was like, Humpty Dumpty, no. Yeah, uh, yeah Chicken Little, man. Uh, I, you know, I just think it's such a cool song. It's not like, um, I don't know. It's It's not apocalyptic, but it's just like, it's like a word of warning, a friendly word of warning from all your, all your friends over at Aerosmith. They're like, hey, guys, it's nuts out there. Just, you know, we're just we're really we're really living on that edge, man. <laughs> I love the attack on every time they say the word edge. There's a big chord. That's true. And a the symbol crash. Drops. And there's a symbol crash true. on edge. I heard that. That's ago, true. I that was kind of neat. When I was the drums it. on this song are so good. Great. They're basic as basic can be. But this is a classic example of less being more. Mm-hmm. Like this, this song has tons of space. It's kind of a slower mid tempo, and there's lots of room for the drums to do whatever they want. And he's patient but, on when he comes in. Like he doesn't come in in the beginning. It's very simple. Yeah. And, At the very, you, you've got kick and tambourine, and that's it. And doesn't doesn't even come in until the the first chorus. Uh, and it's just so basic, but he, oh man, it's solid. Kind of that uh, kind of that Zeppelin feel on drums. Really just. Very basic but bombastic, big old kick drum, um, and um, you know the kind of thing you're like, where can we go? Let's record this in an airplane hangar and just see how much reverb we can get on this kick drum. And, yeah, in terms of musicianship, I, I have a really neat story that I like. The, the space before the three drum hit, the story behind it after the this is at the at the end play, of the song. Play what gap we're talking about yeah. here, so you can hear the gap and the the three drum hit that comes okay. in because I got a story with it. All right. So the drum that he's playing there, that's actually Steven Tyler playing a bass drum that he stole from his high school marching band. No. He went back to his high school and stole it. Didn't ask for it. With help, snuck in and stole a bass drum from his old high school. Wow. And played it right there. And so, so, okay, the thing that strikes me about that story is, other than it's hilarious, is it's 1993. Steven Tyler can go ask for it. He can can borrow it. (laughs) But no, he went and stole it out of the high school marching band. He had to be at least 40 by this point. (laughs) I picture him with his hat, (laughs) sticking in, wearing sunglasses. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. hilarious. That's when you know somebody is rock and roll to the bone. Exactly. They don't bother going through proper channels, even when it would be, nut- of course, we would be honored for we you, Mr. We would love Mr. to donate Tyler. you this. Yeah. And yeah, no, stole it. That's hilarious. At first I thought you were going to say, when you said it was his high school snare that he stole, I thought you meant for a second that he had like stolen it in high school and oh, kept, kept it. it. No, 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 he went back and stole it. <laughs> <laughs> for this recording. A, a middle-aged Steven Tyler breaking into his high school to to use to steal their kick drum to use it for four notes. Their yeah. big concert bass drum is hilarious. Yeah. That yeah. is that's pretty rock and roll. Is I, that- I feel like the Ramones would be proud. Yeah. You know, the Sex Pistols would be proud <laughs> of that. Oh my gosh. Is that a good tie-in to meet the band? Should we You know it? what? Yes, absolutely. Let's meet the band. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! 
right, we're going to meet the band Aerosmith, uh, Boston-based Aerosmith. Uh, they're from, from Boston. Uh, you may remember the city Boston from the band Boston. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, on lead vocals, keyboard, harmonica, mandolin, percussion, and that incredible uh, high school drum that we just discussed, <laughs> Stephen Tyler, actually Stephen Victor Tallarico. Okay. Or the Demon of Screaming. Okay. As he's more commonly referred to. Have you ever Is heard him he? called the Demon ne- of Screaming? Never. Um, he's part of the Toxic Twins. Him and Joe Perry. Um, his dad was Italian. Mom is Polish. Um, and I think the best thing that Steven Tyler ever did was Father Liv Tyler. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Liv Tyler fan. Loved her in uh, That Thing You Do. Yeah. Great movie. Good call. I almost forgot she was in that because yeah. of her appearance in Lord of the Rings. That and sort of in, became her. And in Crazy, the video yes, the crazy with video. Alyssa Silverstone. And uh, uh, Empire Records? Yeah, Is that? Empire Records, yeah. that's right. That's here. Um, actually, her dad was Steven Tyler, um, but her mom um, told her that her dad was Todd Rundgren because Steven Tyler had such a heavy drug addiction. She didn't want her growing up knowing that Steven Tyler was her father. Wow. And then one day she realized that... Holy crap, I look exactly like, like Steven yeah, Tyler. Yeah, and her, sis- her sister looks... Exactly like Steven Tyler, too. And she's like, man, I look a lot like my sister. Or what, what, I look a lot like that girl. I think yeah. her name's Mia. And they're like, oh, by the way, that's your sister. Uh, Steven Tyler is your father. And she was like 11. Wow. I think, something like that. The whole wow. life she thought Todd Rundgren was her dad. So. And I, for anybody out there who's an almost famous fan, just yell, everybody on three, one, two, three, 11. Okay, that's all. Anybody out there listening who got it, just let me know. Give me that thumbs up. Okay. Um. On guitar, Joe Perry, um, Anthony Joseph Pereira. Uh, Man, these guys, they made some good changes on their last names. I don't know. Hey, I just realized this. If you put Steven Tyler and Joe Perry together, you get Steve Perry. What? If you come, what? Extreme close up. Wow. We should do do it at Wayne's World. uh, Steve Perry. And then, okay, and then in Wayne's World, what was the Dick Sergeant, Dick York, Sergeant York. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so many references. Okay, all right. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Joe, Perry, <laughs> Joe Perry, ranked number 84 in Rolling Stones, greatest 100 guitarist. Um, I'm with you. I, I don't think Joe Perry is a great soloist at all. In fact, the solo on this song, I think, is awful. I think it's it's poor. Like, yeah. I think it's really bad. So, I love... Uh, I love a lot of Aerosmith's riffs. They have some all-time classic riffs. You know... Um, but I just n- have never been a fan of his leads. Yeah, a lot like of times they're, I just feel like he just kind of, he's sort of, everybody knows that one guitar player who is like a friend of theirs or whatever, and they can play like they have the finger knowledge of like the blues scale and they can, they'll play, but they don't like know what they're playing. You I don't know feel I mean? like he listens to what he plays. I just feel like he just starts playing. Yeah. And it's like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, now, yeah. When he does now, when he does stuff on purpose that's melodic, like I think of like "Hole in My Soul." Now I do like the the guitar thing he does at the end that sounds like a siren, yeah. which isn't a solo. I yeah. guess it's kind of riffy, and those, but it fits in the song. Both of those things that we just mentioned could be production ideas. Yeah, but let's go ahead and give him credit. Okay. For those. Sorry if I was but, too hard on you, Mr. Perry. No, Great I'm, job on I'm, the end, but I just don't like you as a guitar player. 100% with you. As a lead guitarist, I'm I'm not a fan. I feel like a lot of times his stuff is buried in the mix because it's uh, it's just sort of him going <laughs> and there's not yeah. much there's not much like sing me. 
Yeah, sing a riff. Yeah, sing, that's good. Sing me that's any good. Or sing a Joe solo. Perry lead line. Yeah, that's good. Other than when he's being slow and melodic, like at the end of this one where he's that's the only stuff you can sing back because most of it is just, uh, I don't want to say it's nonsense, but there's no language to it. There's no speech to it. That's good. Um, I like that. He's the opposite of B.B. King. B.B. King was like, every phrase, every everything is a sentence, and I'm telling you a story. And Joe Perry's like, <laughs> I have a great B.B. King tie-in to that. Well, That's so funny you said that because Joe Perry is left-handed but plays right-handed, huh. and so does B.B. King. What? Yep. And there's two others that I could, I did a little bit of research, but I was like, I wonder if there's anybody else that's left-handed but plays right-handed. So, like, they have a yep. regular, like, he's his so dominant play, hand is his left hand. Uh-huh. But, but they don't play upside down. They no, just they, play, play, they right play like a regular right-handed guitar player. B.B. King, same way. Dwayne Allman, huh. same way. And Glenn Fry. All three are left-handed, but they no play kidding. right-handed. Wow. So, Man, that seems, that would be so hard. I'm thinking, like, trying to play left-handed, like, it just feels wrong. Yeah, to... Uh, like, even if the guitar was, I don't know. That makes me want to see if I could learn to play left-handed and let my, there's no way. Uh-uh. You're, yeah. I couldn't do it. Joe Perry, you're a better man than I. <laughs> yes. If, yes. If, if you can go. play lead guitar right-handed and you're left-handed, then Great Mr. Job. You're a better man than I. Great job to you. He's actually created Joe Perry's Rock Your World Hot Sauce, okay. which is fe- featured on a quesadilla <laughs> as an appetizer at every Hard Rock restaurant. That is one what? thing you can get at every Hard Rock. You can go in and get a Joe Perry quesadilla, which <laughs> features Rock Your World Hot Sauce. Um, he actually grew up wanting to be a marine biologist. Sure. And he worked at an ice cream parlor. Parlor. I had a hard time with that word, which is where he met Steven Tyler, who visited frequently. No kidding. Yep. How about these bands that just grew up, you know, a ton of the like great bands were just like, oh yeah, this guy lived down the street. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you think, what are the odds of that? But it's just, I was reading a thing about that just this last week of, you know, find the musicians who are around Close. You. Yeah. Proximity. They'll yeah. hang out with you all the time and you can grow together and That's you sort good. of develop your own thing, you know, together. Uh, as opposed to, you know, just hiring out somebody or whatever. A lot of the best bands are are formed that way. Um, So crazy. He plays a Les Paul predominantly because in the 60s, he actually saw Jeff Beck and Clapton live in concert, and and they both played Les Pauls, and he's like, I want to be one of them, Hmm. so I'm going to play what they play. So he only plays Les Pauls, um, which is, I I think, kind of neat. Fair enough. Um, And that's what I've got. Not a Les Paul guy myself. They're heavy. Yeah, they are heavy. I've been a Fender guy pretty much forever. Uh, probably because of Eric Clapton. I prefer Rogue and Squire. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. I'm a big fan of... Uh, K. K. <laughs> first act. <laughs> yes, first act. There you oh, go, Adam man. Levine. Adam, Adam Levine plays a first act guitar. Oh my gosh. No, no he do doesn't. Not. Adam Levine. He does not. Um, yeah. <laughs> what else you got on band? Uh, Brad Whitford is the other guitar player. I'm I, a fan. Really? Yeah. I have nothing other than he's the other guy. I really, I couldn't look up anything yeah. much on him. I am confused in the video of this because as it bounces around different scenes, sometimes he's playing an acoustic, sometimes he's playing an electric. He's playing like different guitars all the way through the video. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I, I haven't watched him live what he actually does as a role in this i would imagine just a rhythm electric guitar yeah that would be my guess how too. i would picture live. it yeah um live uh, tom hamilton on bass he actually wrote janie's got a gun 
No kidding. Yeah, he wrote that one. Um, Great song. Amazing song. He is the tallest member of the band by far. He's a tall dude. And he's only 6'1". What? Which makes me realize wow. the other band uh, the band members, they look larger than life on stage. Yes. But he towers over them, and he's 6'1". Wow. So I didn't look up the heights of the other because I should but that have. Mean, but yeah, I mean, I look at Steven Tyler. He's so he looks, skinny. He looks tall. Yeah, he just tall. makes him look tall. Like he so looks skinny. slinky and tall. And, but wow. he's under 6'1", because Tom Hamilton wins the height award. By a lot. Um, That's crazy. On drums, Joey Kramer, and he is yeah. actually credited with naming Aerosmith. Huh. He came up with naming okay. Aerosmith. Aerosmith, in in the great tradition of rock bands who intentionally misspelled a word in part of their name, that would be a great list to compile. Like, you know, an Aerosmith is someone who makes arrows, right? But they made it like aerodynamic aeroplane. or aeroplane, um, you know, but that's a that's a longstanding tr- tradition. I don't know of anybody who did it before the Beatles, but that's that's probably just me thinking. The next band, you know, we oh, do the Beatles like did this, everything first. The next band we do like this will compile a list. That'll be yeah. Good. I mean, there's a great. List. There's you've got your Def Leppards, uh, you know, your um, Beatles, Monkeys, uh, you know, intentional misspellings. Uh, there's another one that I, I cannot think of, uh, like Motley Crue. Uh, you know, tons of tons of bands throughout the years have intentionally misspelled part of their cool. name. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a rebellious thing or just something to I don't know, just something to look different. The O'Neaters, the O'Neaters, back to that thing you do. Uh, O'Neaters. <clears throat> anyway, uh, what else on the band? Because I feel like, I, honestly, as great as vocals and lead guitar are on this song, I feel like drums and bass are equally responsible for its awesomeness. Like, um, the, I'll get into it after you finish. You got, yeah. the only thing I've got on Joey Kramer, the drummer left is he has a deal with whole foods where he has rocking and roasting coffee. Oh my word. And sellouts. Yeah. Aerosmith, a bunch of sellouts. Perry and him both, both doing their, their thing. Um, he still only plays Pearl and and Zildjian cymbals. So he only uses a Pearl kit, which I like because that's what he grew or it's what he cut, cut their teeth on with the band and he stayed with them. A lot of times, so many people get, you know, sponsorships or offers, and so they change. But I like it when people do the same from start to finish. Brand loyalty. Brand loyalty. That's hey it. Now. I like loyalty. Hey, now. Yeah, like he, like literally, he's almost a drum loop on this song. He's just, but man, does it drive this song. Like, it's so good. Uh, and like we said, kind of a John Bonham, Zeppelin feel uh, that uh, when the levee breaks, sort of, uh, you know, drum groove. Um, which is neat because also live, they do it really slow. Have you looked up the live? No. It's slow. Like some of their more popular live versions are yeah. way slower than this, and it loses the guts, I think. Interesting. Um, uh, you know, a lot of time when you hear something live, it's faster. Like it's this just is the natural. slow. It drags. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I, feel like, I feel like the bass on this song is one of the unsung heroes. Um, we're in the key of D. Um, and the bass player is doing a lot of what's called pedal tone on this song, and so I'll explain that for the for the um, for the folks who don't know what that is. Uh, and honestly, why would you? Um, but it comes it actually comes from old 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 classical music term um, of where an organist would hold down the pedal on a big pipe organ and play chords that changed around the pedal. And 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 the and the same the bass note would essentially stay the same, and the chords and melody would all change around it. Whereas ordinarily, you know, your pedal 
would switch to whatever, you know, if you're in the key of D and you go to a G chord, then the pedal would switch to a G as well. But uh, to give it a different sound, they would keep the pedal down on the D and just play the G over the top of it. Um, and so that became known as, as pedal tone. And the the bass on this song is doing a lot of that up until the bridge um, is really just sitting on the D chord. Uh, I mean, sitting on a D note and letting the chords change over it. So... Uh, you know, the chords are going to a B flat and um, to other stuff on the bridge, uh, uh, on the chorus, I'm sorry. But uh, the bass is just sitting down on a D and then sliding up an octave to another D. So you just boom, 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 boom. And it's keeping that, but it, it, it makes one of the things that makes this song great uh, production wise, other than just being a really, really well written song with great lyrics and a great melody. The thing that this song is rife with in its production is tension. Its subject matter is about being on the verge of something terrible. And the whole song is full of tension production-wise. Like There's And that pedal tone helps keep that tension. When you take a D major chord and you keep a D in the bass and play an, a B flat over it, it's a very strange-sounding chord. It sounds uncomfortable. And... Um, this song, production-wise, is just full of tension. Even, um, uh, just listen, in every sort of way, there's just weird-sounding stuff. His Steven Tyler's vocals are doing weird stuff. Um, and uh, at the end, it really comes to a head um, where they're going, they're, they're, the background vocals are going, you can't help yourself, you can't help yourself, over this... Uh, chord progression that's going down, 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 down. And eventually it lands on what it would be a flat two chord. So we're in the key of D. So it lands on an E flat. Living on the edge, yeah! And then boom, finally they give you that D chord at the end. <laughs> and it releases all that tension that's been building for minutes and minutes and minutes. Um, and it's just an incredible, you know, they say at its core, music is about tension and release. And this is a great amazing example of that because you get i don't know how long the song is front to back um it's uh roughly let's see six minutes 21 seconds so you get like you get like five and a half minutes of tension 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 and then finally you get this big boom release and you just you feel like i've been through something in the last six minutes like i've experienced a thing it kind of you almost I, I do anyway I get I get really into this song I always play the song at a thousand percent volume too loud. if I can and then it gets to that last chord and you're just like oh. <sighs> like you gotta gotta breathe you know it ramps you up and then and then finally gives you that big one chord that you're looking for <sighs> even just talking about it gets me ramped yeah, up man Rob's sweating over I'm here st- <laughs> <laughs> bring me my hanky <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. The, the, I like the video. Um, it's a weird video. It is. I, I wouldn't say I like it. I, I say I respect the video. It's so weird. You've it's got weird. Steven Tyler, half, literally, he's half naked, yeah. not because he's only wearing half his clothes, but because he's only half a person. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's weird. It's, it shows, if you've never seen it, it's Steven Tyler split down the middle at the beginning, and he's naked, and I don't know what, there's not a polite way to say, he's just kind of holding his... Um, you know, himself there. And 
and then a little alien jumps out from yeah, the other. It's just <laughs> it's weird. So and then weird. it's got the the kid from uh, Terminator, Edward Furlong. He's mm. John Connor. Yeah, in there. He's really? also in American History X. Yep. Yeah, he's uh he's that kid. He he's the the story. There's a big crash at the end, and anyway, it's a uh, it's it. Yeah. Know, it's weird that I don't remember him being in that. That's oh, so yeah. funny. He's, he's the kid. He's the greasiest kid I ever saw. Yeah, that kid. <laughs> I just I just wanted to tell him to just wash his hair one time. Yeah. Every time I saw Terminator, I was like, "Bro, you're dirty. <laughs> you're dirty. Just please go, go take, take a, shower, a shower, man. Just please." Yeah. Um, couple of decent covers. We change the covers. Yeah, go for it. Let's, let's Notable change, covers. Let's change topics and, and go to to covers. And Are you tired of me talking about pedal tones? Uh, Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. It's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's uh, I, I really enjoyed that. That was neat. Yeah. I'll start with my favorite cover. Give me your favorite. I'm going to go with the obvious fastball here. Weird Al. Weird Al yeah. Yankovic Living has a fridge. great, great cover of this song called "Living in the Fridge," and uh, it's an amazing cover as always. Um, and it's just talking about stuff that's his roommates left in the fridge, and it's all gone bad, right? It, it's hilarious. My, but my favorite part of the Weird Al version is uh, there's okay, there's a part where on the original songs they're they're singing on the chorus on the original version. They're going, living on the edge. And there's this little background going, listen to me, listen to me. On the Weird Al version, that vocal is singing the word dysentery. It's going, dysentery, dysentery. And I think it's hilarious. I laugh out loud every time I hear that song at the background vocal of all things, singing the word dysentery. Um, and it changes my the lyric about... Uh, if uh, if you can judge a wise man by the color of his skin, the mystery you're a better man than I. To if you can name the object in that baggie over there, <laughs> then mystery you're a better man than That's I, awesome. which I think is great. Uh, sorry, one quick note while we're talking about that line uh, that we discovered in researching this, even just today, right before we oh, started. Yeah. That line, if you can judge a wise man by the color of his skin, then Mister, you're a better man than I. Is a it's not a direct quote, but it is a pretty direct reference to the song "You're a Better Man Than I" by the Yardbirds. Awful song. Awful. It's just <laughs> weak sauce. Uh, but the lyric is not bad. The lyric is pretty good, but the song itself just feels kind of wimpy, especially after you've been listening to this. Yeah. And then you go back and listen to it. We're not sure what iteration of the Yards Yardbirds that is. They had some amazing. They had Clapton. They had Jet Beck. Beck. They had uh, uh, Jimmy Page all at one point in time or another, but this sounded like they had Ron from <laughs> Ron from Circuit City on on lead guitar. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> but uh, anyway, but the, <laughs> this uh, anyway that line is is a pretty direct reference to that though. Um, so, uh, if you know who that, I'm not going to bother cause I don't really want to know what if it was Eric Clapton yeah. and, and we would just be sad. Yeah. So I don't really want to know, but if you must burst my bubble, you can let me you know who played lead guitar on You're a better man than I by the Yardbirds. Yard uh, okay. Other, other covers. Cover, cause I've got my one. That's the important no, no, one. No, I only had three. Um, one is, uh, the other one, I guess the other most notable, have you heard the Atreyu version? You know who Atreyu no, huh? is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. It's bearable. I can hear that being okay. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a good fit for that. But that, I mean, that's basically all the good covers. Is there another one? Well, the 10 Days After version, but it's oh, not on an album. Well, okay. So, yeah. All right. Now now you've gone to meddling. Yes, my uh, the band uh, that I was a member of for a long time called 10 Days After, RIP, 10 Days After, uh, we used to open every set, uh, every, every show with our acoustic version of Living on the Edge. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Um, we didn't do any of the weird... You know, it was just, yeah, just acoustic and, and guitar. So it wasn't quite as weird as this, but, uh, and yeah, none of the weird, yeah, 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 yeah
Which I also have a theory that that is directly borrowed from Paul McCartney. He's just trying to win the Beatles versus Stones argument. I Disregard am. that. <laughs> but de- okay, definitely, I can say for sure, for sure that when Steven Tyler goes, that's. Definitely that's, from McCartney. We, that's we both agree on hey that. Hey Jude, I can give you that at the a, end of Hey Jude, one hundred percent McCartney does that. And I feel like there's another Beatles song. Maybe it's even a McCartney song, but I think it was Beatles era where he literally does that. Yeah, 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 yeah. If but y'all I, know it, let us know. Let us know at Great Song Pod, at Worship Nerd, at Penny Trader Ten on Twitter. Uh, if you can find the Beatles song uh, and prove me right in this, I would really appreciate it. Um. So yeah, we used to do we used to do this song uh, every set, and it was a whole lot of fun. We either did um, this song, our two big openers that lasted for a long time, were this one or uh, "Man in the, Man Mirror, in the Mirror" by Michael Jackson. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Both of those songs really lend Should themselves. Should we send him to out with versions. "Man in the Mirror"? That's weird. No, no. no yeah, let's not do so that. here's okay. Here's the funny thing about you know we like to throw in clips of other versions of these songs and whatever. One of the things that we started doing a couple weeks into the podcast is uh, sending it to YouTube as well as to our podcasting places so that if people want to listen on YouTube, they can do that, not have to subscribe to a podcast. Um, but we started, I got flagged, you know, YouTube, if they feel like you're trying to steal somebody's copyrighted material, um, you know, they'll, they'll flag it and take your, take your video down. So we had one get taken down. Do you want to guess what the song was? It wasn't one of the songs we were covering. It was one of the side songs that we threw into the episode. I don't even know. Of all the songs that we have referenced in the three, four months of this, that we've been doing this podcast, it was Scatman John. What? That got flagged by no YouTube. Our, the Micro Machine guy. Yeah. 10 seconds of, of Scatman got us flagged on YouTube oh, for performance rights. Um, so thanks a heap, scat man. Go skadoodly bop yourself. Uh, okay, I want to point out one thing, uh, another a weird thing that I was just in in um, in listening to this prepping for the podcast. Something I heard before that I'd never heard before in this song, and that is underneath the guitar solo, uh, the first time through the guitar solo where it's that whole section, all that stuff. Uh, there is a vocal line and a vocal harmony that is going throughout the entirety of the guitar solo, which may not sound like much, but it's really quite a stretched out solo. So I'm going to play it for you, but I'm going to tell you first what to listen to. You're going to listen to the, the lyrics coming directly out of, they're going again and again and again and again and again. And that note it changes under the chords, but that that um, vocal harmony lasts for the entire guitar solo. So just to give you an idea, try and do it yourself. Pick any note and sing it and under this it. guitar solo. Hold it as long as you can. I'm telling you, Steven Tyler has some breath control going on seriously. Now, if this was recorded two years ago in the digital age... Copy and paste. I would assume that's copy and paste it. Yeah, they they cut in at some point. And I guess they could have done what's called a punch in underneath it, but but it's very, very smooth. And there's no I, I honestly in my heart of hearts think he did it just And it sounds like a keyboard pad. And the whole, yeah, maybe. it ends up just sounding like a pad and really it carries a lot of the harmonic information under this guitar solo. There's not a ton else going on under it. It ends up sounding like a keyboard Because we know the honky-tonk piano part. That's right. There's a little honky-tonk piano hiding in here somewhere coming in later in the bridge. Uh, But uh, take a listen to this and just be amazed.
right, here it comes. We're just half done. And there, only there does he give up that breath. Like, that's astonishing breath control. Um, that's crazy. Breath control, not birth control. I don't think Steven Tyler really had any interest at all in birth control, as far as I know. That's some Kenny G cyclical breathing Kenny going G. on right there. Yes, Kenny G. You know what? No. No. <laughs> <We're> not- <laughs> no. Uh, that would be the ultimate slap in the face to Aerosmith, probably, would be to take us out with some Kenny G, um, who's actually, you know what? Pretty funny guy. Not going to lie. I followed him for a period of time on Twitter. Pretty funny guy. I heard him in some interviews. Kenny G. So. I'm going to lose some cool points, but I've seen him live, and Ooh. he's funny live. Really? Yes. He, he he cracks on himself. Like, he knows his... He's self-aware. He's self-aware, and comes out in the crowd. He was... Yeah, I went and saw him at the Symphony in Nashville, and it was it was a good show. Wow. Uh, uh, please, all, save this. Save this. All the rock and roll just left this oh, room. I know. It got sucked out of here like like in the vacuum of space when we started talking about seeing Kenny G at the Symphony. Oh, man. Play a <laughs> Steven Tyler is crying somewhere. Oh, oh he's man, crying. That crazy. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, we're really living on the edge. Oh, shut, oh, up shut up and dance. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Great Song Podcast. Thank you so much for listening wherever you are. iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Galonzo, anything you're listening on. Thank you so much. Be sure to comment, subscribe, leave us some feedback. We're so thankful for you listening. Uh, and we'll see you next time on the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. Not Kenny G. <laughs>